It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. We have a ton to talk about today. Not only am I going to do the financial chaos topic and talk about some life insurance, I've also got to share with you guys, I flew in late Sunday from Beverly Hills in Hollywood and had a great time out there. And I want to share some highlights of that trip with you. I know that has nothing to do with finances, but it does. I can tie it in back to finances when you find out how expensive some things are out there and plus how the lifestyle is so completely different than probably the rest of you out there listening to this podcast unless you're one of my California listeners. I also want to go over... What's going on out there in the world of pop culture? Let's face it, it is Idol time on Fox. If you watch, if you're not hiding under a rock somewhere, you know that American Idol is dominating the TV airwaves these days. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and now Thursdays, it is making its rivals just essentially cower in the corner because they don't know what to do with the out, just tremendous numbers that this show is putting up. I also am going to talk about, we've got a huge opportunity for you guys, all my podcast subscribers, because I have a newsletter that I send out to my wealth management clients that this is the first time I'm going to make available to you guys listening to the show. And I'm going to give you a, a, an offer in a minute that's almost too good to pass up. Um, that I'll share that with you about an opportunity to subscribe to the Wealth Report, our newsletter. But let's jump right in. This is the Money Guy Podcast. My name is Brian Preston. I'm a certified public accountant, certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist. And I'm here. This is not my day job. My day job is actually I'm a fee-only financial planner, a NAPFA advisor, where I try to help my clients um, invest better, um, also work on their financial planning topics so that they can make better decisions with their life and um, hopefully one day build up their assets enough to where they don't have to work with their hands. They can work with the money that's in the bank. And that's what we're going to do for you guys as well. If you're just now new to, to podcasting and you just got an iPod or an MP3 player, let me tell you, welcome. This is a great, great opportunity. My whole purpose for this doing, doing this show is just to um, spread the free word out there. I'm hoping you know, I get a lot of enjoyment just by giving advice to you guys and um, and it's been somewhat fulfilling. One of the things is I started doing this as a hobby, and I really think that this has just been um, a, kind of a, a branding of my, my personal wealth management firm that I'm a partner of on the south side of Atlanta. But what we are going to talk about today is we're going to talk about life insurance. And um, before I get into that, let me go over the pertinent information about the show. First of all, if you want to go out to our website, it's money-guy.com. You can go download the show notes. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter, which allows you to type in your email address, and then you can get show notes emailed to you every time we do a brand-new show right there on the front page of the website. You can also contact us through email. You can contact me. It's Brian at money-guy.com, or you can even go to our um, MySpace page. We are part of the newfangled generation where we do get into um, other things than just traditional email as well as um, the, the MySpace. And you can go to MySpace.com backslash podcast if you'd like to become a friend of the show and also just publish comments. And another thing before I move on to the podcast topic is that you guys have been outstanding on going on iTunes and giving us um, real positive feedback. I'd encourage you to please continue to do that. I think that's one of the things that keeps us very popular is that other people who are not tied into the Money Guy podcast, they go and read those positive comments and they jump right in and then they become part of the family. But let's talk about life insurance. 
one of the things that really excites me about doing this podcast is all the people that I have talked to that have emailed me or called me um, is that you guys that subscribe to this podcast are not just normal people. Most of y'all are top-tier people, meaning that you're either management, you own the company, you're definitely decision-makers at wherever you work. And that's just that's, that's just an incredible thing that this podcast is impacting so many of your lives, and, I take, and I just, I'm very humbled by the fact that so many of you guys are so sophisticated because that means that the content that we're giving you is sophisticated enough that you feel like it's worthwhile. Um, but one of the things I am, even though I just gave you a huge compliment, one of the things I am always shocked by is that when you guys do contact me and we get into a discussion about your personal finances, the number of you that have not done everything as perfectly as you'd hoped, or as I'd hoped, I should say. Um, I usually ask two things before we start talking about investments and what you're doing in your financial life. The first thing is I'll ask you if you have wills, if you have children, because if you have children and you do not have a will, you are taking a huge, huge chance. Because what should happen to you if you walked out here, got hit by a bus, you and your spouse, spouse both got hit by a bus, what would happen to your children? I would hate to know that that relative who can barely balance their checkbook, who has credit card debt up to their eyeballs, that they're now going to in- inherit the assets that you have saved up for your children and then take care of those children when that might not be who you wanted to to have go that way. You might have wanted a a personal friend to take over raising your children. You're not going to have that choice unless you have a will. So I hope I beat you up enough. Please go get wills if you have a children. That's the most important thing you got to do. Second, you've got to have life insurance. Now, wait a minute before you shut off this podcast. Let me explain to you. I am not an insurance agent. I don't sell insurance. Um, I, as I said earlier, I'm a fee-only advisor. Um, there's no compensation that comes giving you advice about this insurance. But all I'm doing is, is I'm just trying to cover the basis to think about what should happen if you pass away tomorrow, if, especially if you're the breadwinner for your family, what happens to your spouse and your children. It's a scary thing. You think about it. We all have mortgages, most of us, unless you're retired and you've paid it off. Congratulations if you're debt-free. But most of us do have some type of debt out there. You also have children that I know you're hoping will go to college at some point. And if you're going, if they're going to college, you know, even though you probably started a 529 plan or a covered educational IRA, they might not, you might not have enough money in that bank account to cover the cost of their education yet. So if something should happen to you, and you're the breadwinner, how is your spouse going to cover the college costs, the debts that are out there, plus maybe the 10 to 15 years that that spouse probably needs the money just to live off of? That is a scary, scary thing, especially when insurance has, gotten, has become so cheap that you're almost going to be just doing yourself and your family a huge injustice if you're not doing it. Let's talk about this. Insurance. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal this week. February 21st, 2007, by Karen D'Amato, and it's titled, Ever Cheaper, Getting a Deal on Your Term Life Insurance. And this is what it says. This is what's amazing is the huge price drop that we've had in the last few years is really because we're all living longer. If you think about it, we're all now living longer than our parents did, our grandparents. We really have a huge opportunity. In addition to the time, the extra time we're getting with our loved ones and our family members, we are also getting 
um, lower insurance premiums as, um, as an added benefit because of our life expectancy. And, it's, and this article says prices for coverage have plummeted partly because people are living longer. A healthy 40-year-old man who doesn't smoke can now get a $500,000 term policy for as little as $350 a year for 20 years, down from $375 two years ago and $674 a decade ago. Um, in the early 90s, the same policy costs more than $1,000 a year. Do you understand what a huge, huge change this has become? It means it's something that back in the 90s, which was not too long ago, um, that would have cost us over $1,000 a year, we now can get for $350 a year. That's less than a dollar a day. That's less than most of us are spending on our coffee in the morning. And we can give our family peace of mind just by buying this insurance. That, that's a tremendous opportunity. And I also will tell you, if you look at this, another great thing about this article is it tells you some great sites that you can go check out insurance prices on. And I'm going to put this on our website, but in case you're um, – Riding down the street, and um, you, you're not going to have time to go to the website, or you don't have access to a computer right in front of you while you're exercising. Let me give you these these websites as well. It's AccuQuote.com, Insurance.com, Insure.com, QuickQuote.com, and TermForSale.com. These are all sites that you can go shop rates and see what the, che- the the best prices on term life insurance are. Now, I will caution you. I tell everybody to go shop insurance on the internet. But then when you're ready to buy, you really might want to consider buying from um, somebody you know that sells insurance. And you say, well, Brian, why in the world would you say that? You know, if I can get the best prices on the Internet, why would I go buy from somebody? Well, the reason is, is most states regulate. I know in the state of Georgia, um, they regulate the insurance rates that are available out there. So just because you find a rate on the Internet, that's where you can go find out the cheapest rates. But then you can usually call a real live agent that you know, and they can match those rates um, at the exact same insurance company, the same carrier. And um, now you have somebody, if something goes wrong, you can call that person directly. You think about it. If you had something go wrong, if you buy it from the Internet, who are you going to call if you, uh, if you have a missed bill, maybe a premium um, statement doesn't come in and you, and you don't pay the bill because it never came in, it's hard to call that 1-800 number, whereas if you got a neighbor right down the street or maybe a relative, you got a, na- a face and a name that you can actually call and get customer service. That's kind of a little tip. Go shop it on the Internet, but then go buy it from an individual. And that's not too hard, let's face it. You practically can't walk out of your house in the morning without running over an insurance agent. All of us have relatives that probably sell some form of insurance. If you don't have a relative that sells insurance, I'm sure you've got some banker that sells insurance, or you got your your homeowner insurance carrier, the guy who you know helps you out with your auto insurance and your homeowner's insurance can probably sell you life insurance. Or you know, there's anybody can sell you life insurance. It's definitely not hard to find somebody to to sell you a policy. So go check that out. But when you buy term insurance, you need to think about how much you need. The, the research out there shows that the average person only has two to three times their annual income, and that's just not sufficient, especially if you are the breadwinner, because the whole purpose of life insurance, especially term insurance, is to, in, the, in, the, in a temporary period of time, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, you need coverage to replace your income. 
if something should happen to to you, um, as I've already mentioned, you want to make sure you can cover all the debts that are out there. You also want to be able to cover any educational needs. And then you also need to be able to provide just living expenses for your family while they get back up on their feet. Me personally, I have enough insurance because I do practice what I preach to you guys. I have enough insurance that if something should happen to me tomorrow, my wife will be set. And uh, I've done that on purpose. It's all through term policies. Because I truly anticipate within the next 20 to 25 years, depending upon which policy you're looking at, hopefully I will have enough money in the bank that um, my wife will not have to work anymore. I also think in the next 20 to 25 years, my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter will be out of school at that point in time, so I'm not going to need to cover educational expenses anymore. And then hopefully our house will be paid for, because I'm paying like a Dickens on that thing, trying to get it paid off within the next 12 years. So these are the things you take into consideration when you're figuring out what term length do I go when I'm looking at term insurance, because you can do 5-year, 10-year, 15, 20, and 25-year, as well as 30-year term. And most people are going to find that probably the 10- and 20-year term is what they need to do. Now let's talk about a good rule of thumb, since I just told you the average is most people have two to three times what their earnings are. I think if you're the sole breadwinner, meaning you have a spouse that stays at home and raises the family, I think that you really ought to consider, if you're in that one income type relationship, you really ought to have insurance that covers eight to ten times your earnings. And if you have a child that you think is either going to medical school or going to an Ivy League school, or maybe you have excessive debt between you and your spouse, maybe you should have um, insurance that covers 10 to 12 times your, your earnings. And these are good rules of thumbs that you can go out there and make sure you're protecting your family. Um, you also, there are some concerns you need to have with term insurance, though. Let's go over a few of these concerns that you need to have. If you were healthy when you got a policy previously, and you've come up with this great idea, because one of the planning concepts you can do is if you bought a policy three or four years ago, and you've looked at your new situation, and you say, wait a minute, I thought I'd be out of the um, need for insurance within 20 years, but and maybe it's going to be really 25 years, uh, or maybe five years have gone by since you bought that 20-year policy and you still need another five years. You can go apply for a new policy right now, um, extend that 20-year term to pass where the policy you bought a few years ago. Plus, with the new life expectancies that have come out, you probably can lower your insurance premiums. But the concerns are, what if you're not as healthy? that you were um, when you got the underwriting done the first time. And that's why you've got to protect yourself when you do go apply for new insurance. Don't cancel your existing life insurance until you actually have the new policy in hand and an enforce. I would recommend you keep your existing insurance, apply for the new policy, and then when the new policy comes in, after you've gone through underwriting, meaning they come take your blood and do all the medical write-ups, go talk to your doctors, then you actually cancel the existing insurance. Do not cancel insurance until you have the new policies. Do not cancel the old insurance, I should say, until you have the new policy already in hand. This is a very important concept. What happens to those of you who maybe your health situation has changed, where you have some term insurance, but now you have some health issues that have popped up and you don't think that you're going to be able to go out and get term insurance anymore? You might have the opportunity with your existing term insurance carrier to convert that term policy into permanent insurance with that carrier. You have to go read your um, the literature that came with your policy when you originally were given the policy and see if you have the option of converting it to 
permanent insurance, and that's something you might want to consider doing. Um, but term insurance is very, very powerful. I think it can, remember, it's to replace income. Consider eight to ten times your earnings if you're the main breadwinner. Now, what about that spouse that does not have earnings? You're asking, well, do they need insurance? And I'll tell you my own personal situation. Once again, the answer is yes. I would think that if something should happen to my wife, Lord help me how I would take care of my daughter for getting things straightened out while I was still trying to run a business. So, And plus you want to get a little bit of help with that debt that you might have with that spouse. So what I tell people is if you do have a spouse that's staying at home and helping raise the family, you might want to consider having a two hundred and fifty to $500,000 policy, term policy, just because, as I told you, it's so cheap right now, probably less than $300 if you've got a healthy spouse. You can get this policy that um, will at least allow you, if something should happen to your, to, your, to your loved one that's taking care of the family, so you can bring in some help to help you raise the family, as well as give you some time, some space, if you need to grieve about this for several months. I know that sounds like a hard, hard decision to talk about, but um, this stuff is not fun to talk about, but it is something that is very necessary. Why do you think I'm talking about American Idol right after this? Because I figured I'd hopefully get you guys to hang on and to, just to hear about American Idol, but I'd at least be able to jam some information about what you need to be doing for your family first. But term insurance is getting cheaper and cheaper, as witnessed by this article that was in the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday um, it really is amazing. Now, one thing you do have to be also be careful about with term insurance is those rates will be super cheap for that 10 to 20 year period. Within say year 21, that policy might go from being $350, it might jump up to five to six thousand dollars a year. So you do need to make sure that you're very accurate on that term period that you go for. If you um, think there's a chance that you might only need the insurance for 15 years, but you're just not quite sure maybe something's going to pop up in 17 years, go ahead and get that 20-year term policy. It's just the price difference The price difference between that 15- and 20-year term policy is not going to be enough to where you shouldn't just go ahead and, and be conservative and go ahead and get that 20 years worth of coverage. But um, do not underestimate the power of insurance. Like I said, many of you have contacted the show. I've talked to you. And um, I'm very impressed with your level of sophistication, your education, your success in your career. And then I start asking you some questions, and I find out that you're not doing everything you should with um, setting up wills as well as life insurance, even though you've done everything else so well in your financial life. And that you're not the only one. I have the same problem with my clients as well. When they become clients, a lot of times they'll come on board, and then I find out that they um, have not been adequately insured and that's that's norm as we saw on the, the statistics are that most people just do not have enough insurance so i hope that helps out now let's talk about some fun stuff first of all you guys have a huge opportunity um and this has no catch to it this is one of the great things i think you know i do this podcast really it's not charity because i this is i've actually started generating some um interest from people who might become clients so it's one of those funny karma type things where I did this as a hobby just to try to educate the masses because I feel guilty that to get a really good financial and wealth manager, a lot of times good managers will have minimum fees or minimum asset requirements. And, and for like our firm, it's a million dollars. That leaves a lot of you guys 
really in a void where you can't get the wealth management advice that you need. Um, so I, I felt like if I did this podcast and could give you some free advice, hopefully I could um, help you grow to the point where then once you built up your assets, maybe you could go hire somebody at that point. But um, as you can tell, this thing has grown beyond my wildest dreams, and it just continues to grow, and I think you guys have been a huge part of that, and I want to thank you for that. Um, but what I've decided to offer as we've grown this podcast is that I do have a newsletter I send out quarterly to my wealth management clients. And I felt like, wait a minute, I'm offering this to my, my wealth management clients. Why don't I offer, also offer this to my podcast subscribers? And I've came up with um, a newsletter called The Wealth Report. And what I, I was trying to figure out how to price this thing. Um, and I had a, actually had one of my podcast subscribers came down here from Boston and visited me. And I asked him, and his name was Jesse. I said, Jesse, how should I price this thing? Because I want to get your input. And I've asked a few of you other guys um, that have talked to me as well. And, and Jesse had some great advice, and I'm taking his advice. He goes, Brian, I think one of the things that has really impressed people about your podcast is that you do see, seem sincere. You know, you, you don't, you're not asking for money. You're not really out there pushing an agenda. You're just trying to give advice. He goes, why don't you just give away the first issue? And I was a little taken back by that. I was like, wait a minute, giving it away. I don't know if that's the right thing because, you know, there's an underlying cost for me to develop this newsletter. There's research involved with it. There's um, the printing cost, the mailing cost. But then, you know, Jesse's right. This is probably, this is the thing that's going to, probably generate the most interest is if I can give you something free. So I'm making this offer. For the first 150 podcast subscribers that email, I'm going to get you to, to email my producer, Heidi. The first 150 of you guys that email Heidi at Heidi at Preston-Cleveland.com. That's Heidi, H-E-I-D-I at Preston-Cleveland.com. I'm going to go ahead and give you the first newsletter completely free. And all I need you to email Heidi is with your name, the address that you want the newsletter sent, and even you can possibly put a phone number on there. Don't worry about it. We're not going to harass you. We're just trying to put it for our database records. But if you could get us that information, we will give you a free newsletter. And then what we'll do is we'll let you know once we determine how we're going to price out future issues. Um, we will send you an email just letting you know if you want to continue the subscription, um, how you can do that. And I think the majority of you are going to want to continue the subscription because let me tell you what's going to be just in the first issue of what I'm making available to my podcast subscribers. The Wealth Report's first issue is going to have on the front page, it's going to have a whole article on should you be investing in the new Roth 401k. And it's even got um, a chart there with some of the things that you need to consider um, about your income situation and whether it's a good or bad thing based upon your situation in life. On the inside page, I've got an explanation on investing in exotic securities with your um, your IRA. I have I can't tell you how many times I have people email me or clients ask me if they can buy real estate within their um, individual retirement accounts. Well, I'm going to give you the answer through this newsletter and let you see the things you really need to be thinking about. I also have tips in there for teaching your children about money. I also have um, how you need to be very careful when you watch the media describe what's going on in the marketplace. And then I even have some tips on what's going on um, within the, the, the stock market. I've got some indicators in there for you so you can know how to interpret the, that data that's coming down. And then I've even got little tips on there on free 411 service. If anybody's used 411 in the last few years, you know, especially through your cell phone carrier, 
those guys will ding you for two to three dollars just for using it. I'm going to show you how you can do that for free in this first newsletter. And this is all for free. So if you are interested, like I said, the first 150 of you that, that get up there and send this email to Heidi, we're going to get you signed up for the first one for free, and then um, we'll contact you and see if you want to continue that at a later time. But it's Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at Preston-Cleveland.com. So I hope you take me up on that. Now, I told you I just got back from Beverly Hills late, late Sunday, and I loved it out there. But I will tell you it is a different place than it is here in Henry County. And, and where I am, I'm on the south side of Atlanta out here in the great state of Georgia, and we do things a little differently here. What's funny to me is that um, in the state of Georgia, I am a NAPFA advisor. And in, in the state of Georgia, let me ask Heidi once again. Heidi, how many Georgia advisors were there? 56. There are 56 of us that are NAPFA advisors within the whole state of Georgia. Now, state, uh, and if you go, when I went out to, flew out to Beverly Hills in Los Angeles, I couldn't believe the, the level of wealth that appeared to be out there. Um, you know, I watch enough MTV Cribs that they say to, to spot a, a big player in the industry, you got to have a Bentley. Well, you know, in Atlanta, when you go to a nice restaurant, you might see a, a Bentley parked outside the restaurant that the um, valet attendants put out. But out in California, in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills, there were Bentleys, Ferraris, Lamborghinis everywhere, every block. It was like a car show, and you just couldn't believe the level of wealth. And the reason I tell you that is because I called Heidi while I was out there. I said, Heidi, I need you to go on the NAPA website and do a search and tell me how many advisors are just in the Beverly Hills marketplace because I said maybe we can just move out here and we um, can be, make ourselves a fortune. And then she broke the bad news to me. I told you there are 56 advisors in the state of Georgia as a, just the whole state. Just in the 10-mile radius of Beverly Hills, there are 156 NAPFA advisors. These are only the fee-only advisors. Imagine if you include um, the commission guys in there. There must be – there's probably more um, investment advisors out in California than there are pigeons in the cities. I mean, it's just amazing how many investment guys out there out there, there are. And in the whole state of, of California, there are how many? 200. There's 200 in the whole state of California, so you can see that within Beverly Hills, there's just a mass of money there. And California is different. I will tell you, from a customer service standpoint, you guys do it a little different out there. I, I joked that um, I figured out how LA worked, especially, is that um, if you treated your customers bad and um, made them feel like they were not worthy, you had more business than you could shake a stick at. So if I actually moved out to Beverly Hills, I think I'd change the business model to where I'd raise my fees to 3% of whatever I managed a year. I would make it a $10 million minimum. And then the first time you complained, I'd fire you. And I think I would have more people lined up at the doors to be clients because that seems to flow out there. And I'll give you an example. We ate at some restaurants. I ate at some really good restaurants because, remember, our whole purpose for going out to Beverly Hills was to um, stalk stars. My wife is a huge Us Weekly fan. We subscribed to Us Weekly. And um, we went out there with another couple. She's a huge, the, the wife uh, for the other couple is also a huge Us Weekly fan. They read them. And i, I got to admit, me and the other husband that went out there, we, um, I read those magazines too. I mean, come on, they're laying around. It's good entertainment. You know, in between reading the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, all my other investment magazines, I, I sneak in enough time to read the Us Weekly as well because it's a very guilty habit to get into. But we were out there and, um, we had a really good time and we went to several good restaurants. I'll tell you, we went to Koi. Uh, did I say that right, Heidi? Yeah. 
Okay, I got it right. Remember, I have a little trouble doing these fancy names. But Chloe was great. Had very good food. Um, the only thing, only I guess if you're looking for a negative, it's not really a negative because probably most people don't have food requirements like I do. I like to eat. I like big portions. But Chloe had... Um, Smaller portions, but the food was just of a great, great quality. Really enjoyed that place, and it was really cool. Also, my wife loved, as well as the other couple, that there was um, there was paparazzi actually outside. That was kind of a cool thing when you walked out of your restaurant, and there's paparazzi cameras just sitting there waiting to see. And they do that stare you up from your foot to to, to head to toe just because they're trying to figure out if you're somebody. Of course, we weren't, but um, it was still kind of cool. The other the other place we went, and I'm going to slaughter the name because um, I've already talked to Heidi about this, and I just cannot pronounce it. Dolce Enoteca. I'm getting fed to um, this. You probably could hear Heidi in the background. But Dolce, one of the reasons we went to this place is that we heard that supposedly you could see some stars there possibly. Um, but I also was all intrigued because my wife informed me that Mike Boogie from Big Brother was um, – one of the owners, and I was a huge fan of um, those guys, um, Dr. Will and then Mike Boogie on um, when I was watching the Big Brother and the Big Brother All-Stars, so I was really excited. I was kind of hoping Mike would be there, but that place had really good food as well. It was an Italian, kind of a modern, eclectic Italian food there. Really enjoyed the food. They even, and I'm one of those boring people that orders lasagna when I go to an Italian restaurant, but they had these crazy um, peas within the lasagna, which really gave it an odd flavor, but it was awesome. I have no complaints about that. I will give them the, the one complaint, and, and this bothered me because there was a little level of, well, I say little, there was a high level of pretension about one thing. When we got there, and they, they, they asked if we wanted bubbly or flat water. Now, that they were trying to get us to buy bottled water because there's huge markups. That's one of the best profits. I think they make more money off the bottled water than they do the liquor and spirits, the wine and spirits that they do in, in restaurants off the bar. Um, so I, we knew what they were doing. So we ordered tap water. But I guess in the loud electronic noise music, you know, because every, every fancy restaurant that you go in out there has this electronic techno-type music playing in the background. Pretty loud. It's not just background music. It's pretty loud. And um, the lights are dimmed down so you can barely see the person across the table from you. Um, but they, 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 I don't know if he didn't hear us, but he brought out this cylinder of water um, and started pouring it. And I and, and I leaned over to the to the, my table and I said, "You realize they're charging us for this is bottle one." They're like, "No, no, relax, Brian. They're, this is probably just what they serve the water in these these cylinders of um to hold the water in." And I said, "No, they're charging us." Well, sure enough, um, they came around later with pitchers of water and filled, refilled our glasses. And I'll tell you that water in the pitchers tasted better than the bottled water. And then we got the bill, and it was eight dollars a bottle. For this water, and they gave us two bottles because there was four of us there, and one bottle alone didn't fill up four glasses of water. So we got completely. Don't worry, I got it taken care of. But um, this is one only thing that I was very troubled by that they would go out there. You know they're making enough money off the food. Why do you push this on your 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 patrons? Is the thing that bothered me. I know some people might want that water, but I tell you, the quality was no better, especially with the way refrigerators and ice makers, and I'm sure what they're using on the industrial side are just as filtered as what we're using at home. And the studies show that that water is just as good. So that that troubled me. And then the biggest ripoff out there. And my wife was the. This is what's funny is that I went in with an objective uh, uh, vision of the place, and my wife and the other and the other wife went in with, um, I think they were a little um, just amazed with the place because they had read about it so many times in the magazines. We went to the Ivy, 
which is if you've ever read any of these gossip magazines, the Ivy is where celebrities go when they want to eat lunch and get photographed by the paparazzi. And my wife was ecstatic that when we got there, they sat us on the front porch. She claims, and I don't know if this is true, but she claims that tourists don't get put on the front porch of the Ivy. But we got put on the front porch, so they were all excited about that. I guess I was okay with that. But then the menus come out, and I noticed the fine print on the back, on the front of the menu at the Ivy that says there is a $20 per seat charge, a minimum charge per seat for food, and that does not include appetizers or beverages. So you're required to spend $20 on entrees per person, or they will charge you that $20 fee because they don't want people coming to eat with their friends but not ordering off the menu. And they're like, well, why in the world would they have that? The reason is is because the prices were ridiculous. Me and the other husband ordered $24 hamburgers. And you're like, well, Brian, it's probably a really good hamburger. The Ivy, I'll go ahead and tell you, the story about the Ivy is, is that they made their reputation because the um, owner or the chef, I don't know, either or, is um, a pastry chef, a very famous pastry chef. Well, this guy might have made his career being a pastry chef, but I'll tell you one thing. I think down here in the South we got one thing figured out is he is by no means a grill master. These $24 hamburgers came out charred and burnt. You would not believe I couldn't believe it. I mean, who burns a hamburger when you're charging $24? If you come over to my house and pay me $24 for a hamburger, I can guarantee it will not be charred because I will watch it with every portion of my being to make sure it's not burned. The other thing that upset me about the place, of course, when you order a $24 hamburger, you've got to have some Coke to wash it down. So I ordered a Coke. Thinking, you know, like most things down here, even at nice restaurants, um, you, you know, you, you have a Lisa, you know, a can of Coke or a fountain Coke, you know, with refills or something. Well, they bring out this dinky little eight ounce bottle of Coca Cola and this thing costs $4.75. I, my jaw about hit the ground when I saw this Coke that they brought out. And then I knew I was going to be in trouble. I said, there's no telling because on the menu it didn't have how much the Coke was, of course. The menu, you know, and then the bill comes out and it's $4.75. I was in shock. So that was probably my biggest disappointment. Now, if you ask my wife or the other couple that was there, the other wife claimed they loved the food. Now, my wife, I think, was biased by the atmosphere because I said, honey, your food wasn't that great. And she goes, what are you talking about? My food was really, really good. And I said, all your food was was they sliced up some tomatoes and put some cheese on top of those tomatoes. I said, the tomatoes are made by God. I said, the cheese is as good as whatever the place they bought it from. It's not like they were back in the back mixing up some cheese. So I said, it's not like the food was really that good. I think you were just blown away that we were sitting on the porch and you thought that was the greatest thing. So I was not as impressed with the ivy, but um, we had a good time out there. I will tell you the things that I really had a good time with is we did one of those hokey things, cheesy little tours, um, movie star home tours. We did it through Starline Tours, and our, our host was Brian. And... Um, I was really dreading doing that tour because I thought, I was like, the last thing I want to do is after flying out here is be cramped up on a bus for two hours with this cheesy tour guide. But it turned out to be awesome. And I knew that we had a really good tour guide who really loved, you could tell he had a passion for what he was doing because he, um, after about an hour and a half into the tour, he turns around to us and he goes, guys, do y'all really need to be back after two hours? And we're like, no, you know, because of course we're tourists. We don't care. We, we have nowhere to go. He goes, well, because, um, 
I'd like to keep you out longer. So he ended up keeping us out close to three hours riding around, looking at things around Hollywood and going through um, and visiting tour, you know, um, houses of the celebrities, including Paris Hilton's house where she has her McLaren Mercedes sitting out there. Um, just sitting out in the elements. It's a beautiful car um, that she just got sitting out in the elements because she converted her clo- her garage into a closet. It was insane. But, um, I don't know. But we didn't see, um, don't worry, we didn't see any big celebrities out there. You know, we did see John Stamos. Um, we also saw the um, guy who plays Logan on Gilmore Girls. My wife is a huge Gilmore Girls fan. She about fell out of the, um, was, we did this when we did the Warner Brothers VIP studio tour. We were going through all the sets, and that were, that's where we saw that character who plays Logan. And my wife was so excited. I'll, I was kind of offended because um, she thinks he's so good looking. I don't, I don't know if I should have been so happy that she was just glad to see a movie star or, or TV star or if I should be offended that she thought he was so good looking. But um, we had a great, great time doing the, the VIP, t- VIP tour at Warner Brothers. If I go back, I'm probably going to do the deluxe tour. The, the normal tour is $42 for two hours. The deluxe tour is $150 a person. For five hours, but I think you get to do a lot more. Like we got to go see the Studio 60 set, um, and I think you, I just really enjoyed that studio tour, and I think we'd go and do that again. Um, another, if you're looking for a cool vibe type bar to go to for an evening cocktail or something, we went to the Polo Club at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and they treated us so nice there. You know, you would think because I think the the Beverly Hills Hotel is one of the most exclusive hotels out there, and you'd think there would be a huge level of pretension out in that that area. But that hotel, actually, since I guess it's mature money there, um, they were super nice to us. I have no complaints. Loved the service we got there and had a great time at the Polo Club. But that was our Beverly Hills trip. I wanted to share some of that with you because I had a great time and um, would probably go back. Don't know if I could live out there because the traffic about killed me. Now, I live here in Atlanta where we are known for our traffic as well. But you guys... You've got it down because everything, according to our Never Lost, the Hertz car rental car we had, everything was within six miles. But six miles takes 30 minutes when you're out in Hollywood. And that just drove me crazy where at least in Atlanta I can get around pretty quickly because I know some back roads. Maybe I could do the same thing if I lived in L.A. long enough. But um, totally different vibe. The um, car situation, as I mentioned, was uncontrollable. I couldn't believe how much money you guys have in cars out in California. Um, the CL, that's the convertible, no, the SL Mercedes, that's the convertible Mercedes. Those things are a dime a dozen out there. They're like the Honda Accord of, um, of California. I couldn't believe, I, I don't know what you guys, I guess there's that much money in TV, movies, as well as wealth management out there that all you guys can afford these $100,000 cars. But I was just in awe that y'all have so much assets locked into these cars. Um, but maybe that's just a penance for what you know what you've got in actual net assets somewhere else. But very very impressed with that. Now I did want to talk about the last thing, and then I'm going to close this up. American Idol. American Idol is amazing, and I know this is not really a financial type topic, but if you think about American Idol, it is different than any other TV show out there because the normal life cycle for a TV show is, as you know, it builds up. An audience, you know, it gets a lot of press. If you remember, like when the OC originally came out, it got a lot of press, like the first two seasons, and then it started dying off. And now you saw, like, this season was its last season, and it went off. And you think about even Lost, Lost, which I'm a huge fan of as well, um, it started losing a little bit of its audience, and, and that's because that's part of the normal life cycle of a TV show: is it builds up to this crescendo, and then it starts dying off. Well, American Idol is completely different. 
even in its fourth season, it, its average viewership was 28.3 million viewers. Last year it was 31.7 viewer, 31.7 million viewers. This year, if you can believe it, it's gone up on top of that, and we got over 33 million viewers a week. This is unheard of, and that's why you hear Jeff Zucker, who um, is the new chief executive for NBC Universal, has said that Idol is different from everything else we've ever seen in the past. If you go back in history and look at like the Bill Cosby Show, the Cosby Show back in the 80s, which had a huge impact on, a, on American society, it was one of those shows that dominated the, its time slot and got over half of the TV viewers. Watching it, but the difference is, is that the Cosby Show was half an hour once a week. If you think about American Idol and what it's doing to the rival networks, is it's five hours of TV a week right now. It's got two hours on Tuesday, two hours on Wednesday, and then it's got an hour on Thursday nights. It is dominating the primetime TV viewing. And if you go look at the nicknames that the other rivals have come up with, listen to this: CBS calls American Idol the ultimate schoolyard bully. NBC has nicknamed American Idol the Death Star. I can't think of a cooler. I would love to be the size of a show. Um, that Think about it if this was a podcast that they start calling us the Death Star. Anybody who, who's anything knows that the Death Star is about the coolest thing ever if you go back to the Star Wars trilogy. So to be compared to the Death Star means that you have made it. So American Idol getting compared to that is just a tremendous thing. And I thought it was kind of funny if you go read. I got a lot of this data from... The New York Times had an article on February the 20th about this. And I thought one of the funny things and very true things that was said about American Idol was that the Fox executives have been kind of um, shy about not really taking too much credit because I think a lot of people know, if you go re- research the, the past of American Idol, a lot of, a lot of the executives at Fox were very nervous about putting the show on. There was a great reluctance to do it. So now that it's been so hugely successful – they have not been the type that are taking bragging about it. And I thought it was very cool that they said that American Idol is almost, is, is really bigger than the network because it doesn't feel like you're saying you're watching American Idol on Fox. It feels like it's almost like a thing that's happening, like it's, it's the time for Idol. It's a societal thing. And I, and, and I can put this in perspective. I was talking to my wife last night. And she was talking about how she was at two places yesterday. She went to, we have an animal shelter. Um, you know, close to our house where they have like lions, tigers, monkeys, and all these other things. And she went to go take our daughter there yesterday. And she saw at the at this animal shelter there was two random people that weren't even there together that were talking about American Idol. And then when she went to the grocery store, the teller was talking to the um, to one of the the customers who was getting their stuff rang up talking about American Idol. That doesn't happen. I mean, you hear about water cooler talk, but this takes it to the next level when you have complete strangers talking about a TV show they saw the night before. So I'm just in awe of what this show is doing. Um, I'm one of the fans out there watching it. I know a lot of you are probably anti-establishment because I think that's what probably drives a lot of people to listen to podcasts. But it, sometimes you have to just step back and admire some, some a show that is just kind of taking over and really become the Super Bowl every week. If you look at the numbers, this is really like having having the Super Bowl on every week, and that's devastating to the other networks. And they have kind of shown that by the fact that they're moving their shows around to essentially bow down and stay out of American Idol's way. And and a a proof of that is if you look at Lost, it was moved to 10 p.m. versus 9 p.m. on Wednesdays because they didn't want it to lose even more market share um, 
from from the audience is obviously going to American Idol. So I hope I didn't bore you with this potpourri of topics today. I was just kind of excited to get out there and talk to you guys. I've been super busy here at work. Wanted to catch up with you. Please sign up for that new newsletter. It's completely free. Let's try this thing out. I want to I want to make it as as good for you guys as I think it can. I want to fulfill all the potential it has. So contact Heidi at Preston-Cleveland.com. That's once again Heidi at Preston-Cleveland.com. Or if you can't remember that, just email me Brian at Money guy.com we'll get you signed up for the free issue and we'll get you taken care of until next time may god bless you of course with good fortune wealth family and friends this is brian i'll talk to you soon the money guy podcast is hosted by brian preston and brian preston is a partner with preston and cleveland wealth management preston and cleveland wealth management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the securities and exchange commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs>